helping people cope with and overcome life's challenges. This is Life Transformations with Michael Hart, Canadian Certified Counselor and Award-Winning Psychotherapist. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Life Transformation Show. This is Bettina Davilmar welcoming you to today's show entitled Dealing with Deception in Marriage. You may have encountered deceit in your marriage or have yourself deceived your partner or maybe you know someone who is dealing with deceit. Maybe this is a very well-hidden family secret and you don't know how to handle it or keep it a secret anymore. You may feel powerless as the victim or helpless as the perpetrator wanting to end the damage caused by the deceit that is destroying the marriage and family unit. Today's episode will be helpful in addressing the various ways in dealing with deceit in marriage. With me in studio to discuss this very pertinent pertinent topic is award-winning psychotherapist Michael Hart of Elam Counseling Services. Welcome, Michael. Thank you very much, Bettina, for that wonderful introduction. This is such a very important topic, Bettina. I meet so many of my clients who come in and they're reeling from the effects Mm. of deception that is just threatening to not only destroy the marriage, but to pull the entire family system apart. So I thought I would do a show on dealing with deception today just to help to uh, give some tips to our listeners as to how we can go about dealing with deception in marriage. But I also want to talk about some of the effects that deception has on a relationship because sometimes the effects of it is not that well understood. So maybe there's someone listening to the show who feel, well, I'm getting away with this. I've been deceiving my partner all along and they haven't found out. So it's okay. We're going to be sharing some studies today on what's the effect that that's having on you, just keeping that secret away from your partner. But before we get into today's show, I want to welcome all our faithful listeners and also welcome our first-time listeners. If you're not familiar with Elam Counseling Services, we are a professional counseling organization that you can contact by calling one 877 We're a non-profit organization, so we depend on your support through donations to be able to provide counseling to those who may need it, but not able to afford it. You can find out a lot more about us by going to our website at elimcounselingministry.com. Elim is spelled E-L-I-M, counseling with two L's, ministry.com. And yes, we have our healing retreat that's coming up on the 7th to the 9th of June, but we are already full. So if you would like to register for the next retreat, then you can contact us and you can continue to pray for us that we will have a miracle, a time of miracles at the retreat that we'll be having in June. So let's go straight into today's show, Bettina. And I want to, to give a scripture as the background from which we'll be doing this show. And the scripture that I'm I'm going to be using today is from Genesis 29, verse 21 to 27. And it reads, Then Jacob said to Laban, 
Give me my wife. My time is completed and I want to make love to her. So Laban brought together all the people of the place and gave a feast. But when evening came, he took his daughter Leah and brought her to Jacob. And Jacob made love to her. And Laban gave his servant Zilpah to his daughter as her attendant. When morning came, there was Leah. So Jacob said to Laban, What is this you have done to me? I served you for Rachel, didn't I? Why have you deceived me? Laban replied, It is not our custom here to give the younger daughter in marriage before the older one. Finish the daughter's bridal week, then we will give you the younger one also in return for another seven years of work. So there you have it, this passage from Genesis 29, verse 21 to 27. And we see in that passage this deception of of Jacob by his uncle Laban. He thought he was getting married to Rachel. But the next morning he woke up, he realized it was not Rachel beside him. It was Leah. My question that I would like to ask is, what was he drinking? (laughs) (laughs) What kind of feast did they have that he didn't realize that it wasn't his wife until the next Next day? Like after he had made love to her and realized, this is not the one I worked seven years for. This is Leah. This is not (laughs) Rachel. And I don't think they looked looked alike because we are told that uh, Leah had some kind of uh, problems with her eyes. The Bible tells us that she had weak eyes. Mm-hmm. So there must have been something there that was a little bit off with with <laughs> Jacob that made him fall <laughs> to this deception. So, so we have this deception where he got the wrong bride and didn't realize it until the following morning. Now, I do hope that none of my listeners out there is saying this happened to me because it's not a good thing if you're that drunk that you don't realize that you didn't have the right bride on the honeymoon night. I can't even imagine, Michael, you know, uh, Jacob waking up and wiping off the cobwebs out of his eyes and seeing that this is not Rachel. Wow, I've been deceived. Now, what are some of the deceptions you have seen in your years of practice? That's such a good question, Bettina. And I think it, it it's going to be funny for some, some of these things. But one of the things that I've seen is lying about age. Like someone that I know that this uh, person got married to him and she thought he was 15 years younger than his actual age and that was discovered after that he had forged his birth certificate from another country and was actually 15 years older Mm. than he really was. Another one was a financial status where someone thought they were getting married to someone of very decent financial status, not wealthy but uh, fairly well off and stable financially only to find out that she got married to someone who was 
was in debt and had actually filed bankruptcy that she knew nothing about. Another uh, one that I see from time to time is hidden abortions, where someone goes into marriage and they have had abortion or another child that they have gave up for adoption, and it has never been spoken about. And and so that you married this person, believing that this person is having your first child, and you are you are the father. You're sharing something special for the first time, only to find out years after. Uh, sometimes it's not until the person in their seventies you find out. By the way, there was this son or daughter that I had that I didn't tell you about. Another one that I had seen in my practice is people hiding their health status. Like they know that they are not in good health, but this did not come to the surface. And so they are pretending to be in good health when they know that their health is falling apart. So those are some of the common deceptions, not common, I should say, but some of the ones that I have seen uh, in my practice where people have deceived their partners. And we know of the other common ones like people who cheat and do things like that. But these are some of the other ones that I have seen. So I just wanted to say that, like in the story, the seed sometimes run as a family secret. It's not just between the husband mm-hmm. and the wife. Sometimes the family, the wider family, knows about some of what has happened in the daughter's or the son life. And, and it's a well kept secret or it's a family custom not to talk about things that have happened outside of the family and so this secret is not just being held by the person you're getting married to but by the entire family system so you can just imagine what this might be like when you realize that you have been lied to not just by your bride but to your you've been lied to by your in-laws as well Now, that's so interesting, Michael, because I believe that probably happens quite a bit in certain families. And uh, it's very, very, could be very, very hard for those who know about it, who are are very uh, well, uh, they they know about it. They they haven't discussed it with the people, but they just, it's it's hidden, but everyone knows. It must be extremely hard to deal with and to try to cover it up. But in your conferences, you elaborate about the depth of, of deception in this story. Can you explain that here for our listeners and explain how it is similar to what occurs in some families? Yes, when we think about this story, we think about Laban as the one who is doing the deceit, right? And so we see Laban as this uh, very selfish, self-centered narcissist who is making Jacob labor for seven years and in total 14 years he thought he was working seven years to get his bride and he ended up working 14 years to to get the person that he really loved that in the story was Rachel but what we fail to understand sometimes is that Rachel was also a part of this deception. That's right. Rachel knew that the the custom in the family Mm-hmm. that the older sister was going to be the one that was going to be married first. And so she didn't tell her husband 
about the deceit mm -hmm. of what was taking place. But as the story unfolds, we see that the deception runs deeper than just Rachel and her father. We see this entire uh, celebration of the community, where the whole community is at this wedding feast, knowing what the custom is, mm -hmm. that Jacob is not going to... And I can just imagine the whispers that are oh, going yeah. around <laughs> in those people are drinking. You know, that That's Jacob, right. he, he thought he's huh? going to get Rachel, but, but it's going to be Leah, right? But no one is saying anything to Jacob. No. So the deception runs a lot deeper. And it's like that in some families where it's not just the, the immediate a family, but sometimes even friends know of the secret and no one's, no one wants to say anything. Mm -hmm. And so it's important that we understand that, that, that Rachel is not this innocent victim as we are making her out right. to be, but she's part of the deception. Yeah. She could have warned her future husband that, look, mm -hmm. this is our family custom. Mm -hmm. And if you are going to, to get married to me, you have to get married to the older sister first. And so he could have negotiated that with his uncle Laban, if mm -hmm. that was the case in those days. That's but right. he knew nothing that that was the custom mm -hmm. until the morning after after uh, waking up with Leah beside him in bed and going, what just happened here? Yeah. I thought that this was, this was Rachel. It's so interesting. You know, this, this story is so pertinent uh, it's happened in the bible and so i can just imagine rachel being heartbroken as well knowing that she's keeping the secret and she's not going to be married that day and you know she's she must be her heart must be breaking everything and she must be feeling like oh my goodness i didn't tell my uh my 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 jacob and so some would argue that in those days rachel was a powerless victim to break the silence and expose the deceit. What would you say to that? Yes, it is indeed true that it would be difficult for her because maybe the part of the culture in those days that you have to obey your father and right. it's a patriarchal society. So it would be very, very hard for her not to obey the father. But I think you always have a choice yeah. to tell the truth or not. We have other examples even from biblical times of daughters going against what their father uh, wanted because they had a strong desire to do something mm -hmm. different. The case of Moses uh, and Pharaoh's daughter is, a, is, is an example of that, mm -hmm. where Pharaoh had given a command for all these babies to be put to death. But we see that his mother, uh, Pharaoh's daughter, said, no, I'm going to keep this right. one. And she stood up to her father, who was the king. So it's not necessarily easy, but no. you always have a choice to mm -hmm. do what's good or what's wrong. And so she is not a helpless victim. Yes, it would be hard. Yes, she would have to go yeah. against her father. But she do she she does have a choice in this regard. Right. She has an obligation. I I do agree with that. And so what what are the effects of deception in marriage? Because that that I can imagine could just destroy a marriage. You know, so can you discuss a little bit about that? So when you have deception that has taken place in a marriage, like we see in the story, the marriage is never going to be the same 
that you thought it was before the deception is uncovered. And so, mm-hmm. as in the case with Jacob and Rachel, once the deception was uncovered, now this third party uh, is now be- has now become a part of the relationship. Mm-hmm. So we see Leah, who is now a part of this. There's this triangle that is formed. Right. And so deception usually do that kind of a thing. It creates a triangle, right. whether it be a child that was given up for adoption or a child that was aborted mm-hmm. or a person that someone had uh, an affair with. Mm -hmm. There is this Mm -hmm. triangle that is formed and so it's taking energy from the relationship and it's now being diverted to that third person or thing. So one of the common effects is that the the intimacy of the relationship, the closeness of the relationship is threatened. But before I give some other uh, uh, points under Mm -hmm. that, let me me just welcome those of you who are joining the show. This is Michael Hart and you're listening to the Life Transformation Show and Michael Hart of Elam Counseling Services. And today we are discussing dealing with deception in marriage. If you have missed the first part of this show, you can listen to it by going to our website at elimcounselingministry.com. Elim is spelled E-L-I-M, counseling with two L's, ministry.com. You can also call us at one 877 if you have a question. So we are talking about this effect of deception mm-hmm. on the relationship. And I talk about this triangulation that happens that the relationship is now strained as a result of it becoming this triangle. But there there is also there's there's effect on the, the victim where the, the victim can become very protective, withdrawn and never trust again because of the deception. So we see here that when Jacob deceived that that the deception of Jacob in the story was never resolved. And until the day that Jacob left his uncle's home, there was still this atmosphere of mistrust. I can't trust him. And uh, we see also that it creates a culture of deception Mm. because as the story, as the biblical story unfolded, and we didn't read the rest of the text from chapter 31 Mm -hmm. uh, because of time. But if you have the, the time, look also at chapter 31 and you will see that not only did Jacob deceive deceive Laban as a his uncle, but also his daughters, his daughters that he used as means Mm -hmm. of deception Mm -hmm. also turned around and deceived their father Mm -hmm. by running away with Jacob without telling him they were were leaving. But what is also interesting that we see in chapter 31 verse 19 that not only did Rachel deceive her father by running away, we see that she deceived her father by also stealing from him him as she packed her stuff to leave. So, <laughs> so, so, we, we, so when she's leaving, <laughs> it's not. <laughs> it's not just I'm taking my things oh, and leave. Yeah. It's like, oh yes, my father has these <laughs> objects here. You know, I can take these with me. Let me help myself <laughs> as I go. And the Bible tells us that she waited until he was in the field. Mm. So, in other words, she timed she her father. It. She mm-hmm. planned it. She planned it. She sure did. And she stole from her father. So we see that deception breeds deception. Yeah. 
It does. She could have had a conversation with her dad and uh, and said, you know, I'm leaving because I'm going with my husband. Mm-hmm. And can I have these things? Mm-hmm. But this family culture of deception is I'm not going to ask him. I'm going to take off yeah. and he's never going to see me again. And not only am I going to leave, but I am taking his <laughs> computer and his laptop and maybe his car yeah. <laughs> to drive me to where I am going if it was today's <laughs> culture. And and so we see this deception unfolding in the story. Right. And I think another effect, uh, uh, Bettina, on of deception is on our health. Nice. There is this interesting study that was done by Anita Kelly. She's a psychologist. She's a professor at the University of Notre Dame in, in Indiana. And she did a study, a 10-week study involving 110 adults, where one group of these adults were told for these 10 weeks that they were not to lie. Mm-hmm. And what they found from this study is that the group that was told not to lie, their health actually improved. They had improvements in their health over this 10-week period. And psychologists have known that there is when you lie, that it creates stress. Your body secretes stress hormones. Mm. That is why they're able to pick up lies from some people Mm. in the polygraph test, for example, because when you lie, there's actually a physiological change Hmm. that takes place in your body. And studies show that this stress, it actually reduces your body's ability to fight off infection by lowering your white blood cells mm-hmm. uh, in your body. And it also so create high blood pressure and even infertility in some cases. Wow. And so tension, headaches, back pain, lower back pains, these are all symptoms of having things that you're keeping a secret. So when my clients come in and we are working through issues, sometimes uncovering things that they they have been keeping a secret is a part of the the treatment. Because as long as you're hiding and you're not being truthful to Mm -hmm. others or truthful to yourself, it's going to be very hard for you to be emotionally whole. Right. So when God in the Bible encourages us not to lie. Thou shalt not lie. It's not a commandment mm. that God doesn't want us to get by in life by getting all we can by deceiving others. Right. It's actually for our it's own good mm-hmm. as well. And it not only affects our physical condition and our emotional condition, but it also affects our relationship with God. Yeah. When you have a secret that you're lying about and you're carrying with you, it's hard to have intimacy with God. And I'm just wondering if maybe that is why some Christians find it so hard to spend time alone in prayer mm-hmm. with God. Because there is this restlessness. Mm-hmm. Because they know that there is something that they are not being truthful about. Wow, this is so interesting and so uh, encouraging too that, you know, even God knew that these things might, you know, harm us. But there, there should be steps for such a person in dealing with deception. What are the steps that we could take in dealing with deception? For both the perpetrator and the victim, it's very important that you confront the deception. If there is something that you have been keeping a secret and you have not been able 
to, to, to deal with it, it's better for you to, to confront it and say, this is what I have been, I have been hiding. And this is, this is what I need to tell you because it's just so big a thing. I cannot keep this from you anymore. So confront the deception. If you're the one who has been deceived, that's important for you to, and you realize that you have been deceived. Don't just brush it away and say, I forgive you right away. Deal with the deception. Mm-hmm. Talk about how, how you feel and right. get also a sense of how the perpetrator is feeling about the deception is there remorse right because this is a very important very point important. if you don't see remorse from the person chances are It'll that it will happen again <laughs> or there might be other things right. the second step is to ensure that the deception is not continuing mm. so not only do you confront it you want to make sure that the person has taken steps not to continue the deception mm-hmm. anymore and so we confront the deception. We ensure the deception is not continuing. And what are the, what's the third step? The third step is to make sure that you try to understand the reason behind the deception. And this is a step that is often missed. And if you can understand the reason by deception, it does a number of things. For the perpetrator, it can help you to understand what drives you. Right. Is it pride? Is it the sense of perfection that I have? Like if I were to tell you that I am not perfect because I made a mistake at 16 years old, Mm -hmm. I feel that it's going to shatter this image of perfection that I am having. That's important because you need to know what it is that you're dealing with. Because if you don't know what's driving it, it's likely to happen in different forms. Mm -hmm. So for the perpetrator, it's important to know that, but also for the victim. Because if you know what's driving it and you can have a discussion about it, it can help you to get to that place where you're finally able to forgive. But I think the fourth step is that you should take steps to rebuild the trust. It's not Uh. just enough to, to say, oh, yes, we have confronted it and we know it won't happen it's not continuing and so forth but you need to 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 not only to understand it too but we need to also take steps to rebuild trust once there is deception in a marriage or any relationship for that matter trust goes to zero it does yes and the relationship is not the same. And so trust has to be rebuilt in a systematic mm-hmm. way. And I don't have time to go into that today. But if you have missed our videos on the uh, our podcast and on the five A's of rebuilding trust, make sure that you listen to that mm-hmm. podcast because it covers, covers such A's as acceptance, accepting what you did, accountability, becoming accountable and avoidance, avoiding circumstances. So make sure you listen to that. We go into each of these in detail. If we look at the story, the biblical story that we have covered in this passage from Genesis 29, we see that Laban didn't abide by any of these A's. When Jacob confronted him and say, didn't I work for Rachel? How is it that mm. I wake up with Leah by my side? His approach was just to brush it off right. and just say, work for it's me for another, another seven, seven years. years. Yeah. Now, we are going to wrap this up, Michael. This has been really, really good. And uh, so I just thank you so much for discussing this. But number five, 
there is one final one. Can yeah, you please discuss the, that? The fifth point on the, the steps that you should take in, in dealing with the seat and, and, and healing from it is to forgive the perpetrator. So the forgiveness uh, is good for the victim because it sets you free from carrying this resentment and bitterness around. But it's also good for the perpetrator as well because when you forgive the perpetrator, you're saying, like God does to us, I'm giving you another chance to prove yourself. Mm-hmm. I'm letting this go. But if you're listening to this show and you're not at that point yet, maybe the deception is fresh in your relationship and you're not at the point of forgiveness, that's okay too. Sometimes forgive Forgiveness is something that takes time. It's a process. process. And maybe you have to work through these other steps before you come to that point. Mm -hmm. I wish I had more time today, but we have to wrap up today. Mm -hmm. So remember that you can listen to this by going to our website at elimcounselingministry.com and clicking on the YouTube banner to to listen to this podcast. There are over 200 other podcasts on that site that you can listen to as well. Remember also that we are a non-profit organization. So we are counting on you today to make some donations, however small, to this ministry. And so until next time, this is your host, Michael Hart of Elam Counseling Services. And Bettina Davilmar. Praying together that God would bless you in all your relationships and keep you sound in mind and pure in heart. <laughs>